Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening and welcome to the uh, inaugural episode of the DNF1 podcast. Here uh, we are. It's finally happened. We've uh, been talking about this for a while and we've finally got a podcast. So my name is Adam. I'm going to be one of the hosts for this podcast going forward. And with me, we have uh, Mr. Courtney Pine. Courtney, thank you for joining us. Good evening, ladies and gents. So uh, just a little bit of a background with us. It's just two F1 fans who been watching the sport for many years now mm-hmm. and uh, feel it's about time that we add our two cents onto the main talking points. So in this episode, uh, the first episode that we do, we are going to be talking about the new cars. Obviously, it's launch week. Um, Very exciting. We're going to be discussing the top three from last season, Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes, not in that order in particular, um, and running through the main parts that we've observed on this car and obviously what we expect from them for 2020. Um, we're also going to have a little bit of a look at McLaren as well, as we feel that they uh, impressed us last year, and that's one of the cars we they both felt that we wanted to see a bit more of and we're going to be talking about the t- test week as we all know it's testing coming up on Wednesday the 19th of February for three days in Barcelona and it'd be a good opportunity to see all the teams shake down their cars put them through their paces and to give us a bit of an indication of to what the pecking order might be going into Melbourne for the season ahead. To start off with uh, as I said last week was launch week a lot of exciting things to see from launch week everyone's sort of gearing up and Looking forward to seeing the new cars in the flesh for the first time. Um, I'm intrigued to see where Ferrari go this year. Yeah, no, me too. I think um, Ferrari's one of those bit of enigmas in Formula 1 where they always seem to put on a big show and an event as they did yep. uh, in Milan uh, this week. and or Sorry, last week actually. And they put on a bit of a show and then the car came out. And I'm not going to lie, as soon as I looked at the car for the first time, I was like... That's literally the same car from 2019. <laughs> the paint job and everything. And it was only, obviously only until I looked at closer and started looking at the finer details, I thought, oh, okay, it's more of an evolution on their concept. But at first, that livery really caught me off guard. And uh, I'm not going to lie, my heart sank a little bit. I was expecting it to be more radical. Yeah. Who, who knows? Like, it, it, it could well be, but I just expected it to be a bit more obvious. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
as I've mentioned to you already, I did warn you, I was going to bring a notepad. Here we so, go, yeah. here we go. So yeah, bear with us, it's going to be a little bit of a technical Adam's stuff. Adam's notebook. <laughs> it's, it's not quite like Ted's. Um, There's only one <laughs> Ted Kravitz. <laughs> Well, he's in the work on F1 Digital, so he might have a bit more free time from Sky's duties. He might he, he tell you what, you never know if this all goes well. Yeah, absolutely. Give, give him a bell and he might come around and join us sometime. You never T- know. Ted, if you're in the area in Isle of Dogs, do give us a call. Come down <laughs> and uh, we'll get you on the podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll, we'll talk about Ferrari a little bit. So, I was looking at some of the cars and obviously the first thing I did notice on the livery that did intrigue me a little bit is they used um, Charles Leclerc's number on the back of the number 16 on the um, shark fin. Right. Now, What's interesting about that is I didn't look at the front of the car because when they showed it, they showed it side on. Yeah. And they didn't really uh, make it obvious to us until we saw Sebastian Vettel's number later. Um, and then when that did, that was actually quite, you know, that, that seemed a bit more plausible. Oh, yeah, they show both numbers. So they weren't really favouring. Because um, sometimes they do that. They tend to favour the lead driver on a lot of these cars. Well, this is a thing. I mean, the interesting, like the, as I said in the last episode, I believe, I think the most interesting thing about Ferrari is that I wonder who they've built the car, you know, the concept to suit more. That mm. that'd be an interesting thing to see, and it won't take us long to figure out who they've, because you can't really go through the middle because they've got very different driving styles. So it'd be very interesting to see who they've, um, who they've, you know, kind of benefited with the design of the car. Yeah, I mean, most drivers in the pack tend to like a car that's good with its front end, yeah, and uh, Sebastian yeah. Vettel's usually more favoured to having a car that's more stable at the rear. So we can get on the power a bit earlier. Whereas Kimi we see Raikkonen, it with the spinning. So yeah, well, <laughs> he likes a stable rear, does Vettel. Yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a crosswind, and that car seems to spin around more than Pete Burns ever did. That bit. There you go. Learn that about Sebastian Vettel. He likes a stable rear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Said the better, but um, I mean, the good thing about the new Ferrari seems to be a bit more of a development or an evolution on last year's yeah, concept. Course, yeah. And um, I was worried that. They were instead of following suit on that, they were going to try and revolutionise the car or try and find a crossbreed between Mercedes and Red Bull, try and get that happy medium so that they can get the boast of both worlds. But they haven't. Um, a lot of it is similar to what they've done last year, which is good. Um, it's the same front wing concept, which uh, is a bit more sweeping down towards the outboard ends. And basically what that means is to sort of channel the air around the tyres and make it work a bit better to make the front end more effective. The fact that they haven't changed that which is something that they struggled with last season, suggests to me that they've probably got on top of that. Uh, Matteo Bonotto himself actually confirmed that this version of the front wing seen at the launch is likely to be the one that they will start the season with, and it was the one they finished with last year. Well, the race pace improved, didn't it, towards the end of the season? It did, yeah. I mean, following the Singapore Grand Prix where they finished 1-2, Sebastian Vettel's first win in quite some time, yeah, they brought some new bits to the car. It was a revised version of the aero package and it seemed to work for them. It seems that looking at the details, it's a bit more radical and a bit more extreme, but the overall concept of the car remains the same. I mean, the barge boards are more refined now. The rear end is a lot more compact and tighter. Tight so, rear end, yep. Yeah, it's always a good, always good to have a tight rear end. <laughs> Not that I can uh, testify to that myself. <laughs> a bit more in doubt in that area. <laughs> But um, yeah, the, the Sebastian Vettel said he's you know they've rearranged the gearbox. Uh, they want to squeeze that rear you know squeeze the rear suspension, but hopefully yeah. that doesn't affect the cooling too much. I think Ferrari had reliability issues last year with uh, engine cooling issues, most notably Charles Leclerc's failure in Bahrain. Something's been you know, uh, an overpowered engine. Yeah, so. perhaps, but I mean <laughs> we don't know. I mean obviously they had the technical regulations changed slightly or amended, and in yeah. the wake of that, Ferrari seemed to lose performance. So. 
hopefully um, they seem to have got on top of all of that and hopefully they get the reliability right um, the wheelbase and the level of rake is about the same as well and obviously for those of you that aren't familiar with the wheelbase and the level of rake it's good to think of the wheelbase as the length of the car um, Mercedes would go on this end of the spectrum where they have a longer wheelbase which is more of a lower drag concept and it's more faster in a straight line but and faster corners but it does tend to struggle in the slower ones and something on the other side would be the red ball the shorter wheelbase and a high rate concept where it's much better in the slow corners um, but at the same time you know it does it does hinder them on the straights Ferrari have suited their car to that low drag high rake concept um, so they're trying to mix the best of both worlds but it seems like Ferrari from their car what I've seen that they've probably looked at their weaknesses and looked at what they struggle with and the fact that their car is fairly similar in some regards the overall concept they seem to be on top of them so hopefully we say this every season though don't we we, we say do. this every yeah. season is this going to be the season where they finally like kick off from the start because last season there was a lot of hype and then they were far behind in Australia so it'd be interesting yeah. to see if they you know well same Red Bull It'd just be interesting to see if you know if there was if there's a strong fight from the very start. And to be honest, even though I'm a Mercedes fan, as a fan of the sport, it would be interesting to see a three way battle from the start, wouldn't it? No, absolutely. And I think we saw in testing last year that Ferrari brought this new revised car. It was the new regulations that kicked in, and for all the world, the timing sheets, every parameter, every bit of data you could look at suggests that Ferrari were the team to beat, and by quite some margin. Mercedes brought a revised version of their car, of the W10, and they completely blew the field away in Melbourne. And Ferrari equally were nowhere to be seen. It almost if they just swapped positions, and no one could figure out why. And it seems that the concept didn't really work for Ferrari, or they weren't able to sort of maximise it. It was inconsistent. They had issues with the reliability of their car, and it just wasn't consistent on some tracks. The aero package, sometimes it was fast, sometimes it was slow. Um, and in the slower corners, they really did struggle. Well, yeah, there was a... There's a big difference in performance from Australia to Bahrain, wasn't there, I noticed? Mm, absolutely, yeah. So that's a prime example of the inconsistency of Ferrari last season. Yeah, so hopefully for them, they'll be a bit more on top of that. So moving on to the uh, Red Bull. Uh, so Red, Red, Bull, Bull. That, Red Bull are the team that I'm going to be keeping the biggest eye on, because I, I feel this could be a big year for Red Bull. So the RB16... Time flies, I had already on to RB16. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it feels crazy. Um, it feels like Red Bull have been in Formula 1 for ages, but... Well, they're an established team now, so it feels that mm, way. I mean, they haven't really. They've only been around since, uh, was it 2004, 2005? Quick maths. <laughs> Quick maths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big shack. Um, this was an interesting one to look at. Again, they followed the same concept as they did last year, and they wanted to refine it. Um, one thing I did notice, the nose duct detail on the car... They've gone full nostrils with that. It literally, it looks like a beaver's mouth. It's sort a of be a beaver's mouth. A beaver's Interesting. Mouth. Yeah, because no. you've got the nose coming down, and you've got the two um, sort of ducts that are detached from the surface of the nose, and it's wing mounting pillars from the side, like a double duct. I'll got... just say to the viewers, please do not search up a beaver's mouth. You might get some dodgy results. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to distract you, Adam. Yeah. Well, it's just, if, yeah, not safe for work. Probably should put that one out there. <laughs> if you are listening to this on your work lunch break, first of all, get back to work. And secondly, don't search a beaver's mouth on Google. Um, com is fine if that's still a thing. I don't know. Have you been on I mean, it's Bing or... I don't know. Anyone who other than uses Google, let us know how that 
Phil. Yeah, do you know what? Feel, feel free to send some feedback on the social media pages, I guess. Yeah, the, when eventually they're set up, call me. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I can feel the shade. I can you feel, had I, one job. I, I had one job. I have a very hectic life, Adam Burns. Yeah, yeah, I noticed. Farming and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> One way I'm, I'm sending us on a tangent. Please continue about the Red Bull development. <laughs> I, t- I don't almost don't want to. <laughs> I want to talk about more. The right beaver's off. mouth. Well, mention the beaver's mouth. We might have a few of those on your farm. So, um, for those who aren't familiar, what ducts are when we refer to them? So, um, basically, ducts are like little inlets that allow air to be channeled through uh, into the car, and obviously, the car's aerodynamics is able to sort of take advantage of that and manipulate it in a way that allows the car to be drawn down to increase downforce but also at the same time to optimize aerodynamic efficiency and straight line speed i think an example of that was the old famous f duck back in 2012 with lewis hamilton in the mclaren and Which off, off, well. off, off, i thought that was going to be the answer well it was it was a genius it was a genius trick yeah. um obviously that was a great innovation and uh, was outlawed after fernando alonso famously in the ferrari of the spanish grand prix coming around the final corner was turning with one hand whilst uh, blocking a duct inside the cockpit to increase straight line speed. No one likes to bait up, do they, Adam? No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's great camera work. I mean, it's amazing that they hadn't seen that until halfway through the race when they saw him doing it. And it was like, you've been doing that all weekend long. So fair play to Fernando for driving with one hand. It just shows people say, oh, these cars are so easy to drive now. And I said, well, there's your example, really. That's, uh, That's skills for you. But, um, yeah, so obviously the Red Bull, the front of the car, obviously with the ducks there to channel. I mean, a lot of the cars kind of do now in their own way. They have little ducks in the round, inlets in yeah. the car. I mean, the Red Bull one's the most notable, as I said, because of the beaver's mouth. But it, it does. It's got the two little teeth and it's got the big hole for a mouth after that. I did notice that because I, 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 yeah. I, ex- I expected their front wing to be samey because the wings haven't really changed, have they, since about, what, 2015, 2016? Well, for the main teams. Yeah, no, they've kept it the same. I mean, what was important for the Red Bull mm-hmm. is that Last year, they didn't really get on tops with the front end of the car. Mm. They kind of struggled with the concept. But then it got stronger throughout the year. And I think Red Bull's key objective, and it's amazing I'm saying this when we're talking about Adrian Newey, one of the greatest designers, if not the greatest designer of a Formula 1 car of recent memory and definitely up there of all time. We're talking about a team that doesn't quite get it right at the start, more often than not in the last couple of years. But over the course of the season, they outdevelop their rivals. And to a point towards the end of the season, they're on it. And there is optimism in that for Red Bull because the regulations haven't changed for uh, this season. Honda are catching up at a relatively good yeah, pace they as well. Yeah, they certainly are. And I think when you combine those together, there's definitely a bit of a hybrid between the Ferrari and the Mercedes trying to get the best of both worlds. And with those improvements with Honda, there's no reason why Max Verstappen, in particular in my mind, can't have a package that's capable of winning him a world championship. Um, I feel this could be the year. It could be. Um, yeah. I mean, the run off the car, the side pods, the engine cover, they're quite compact, although it's not as snug as fit as I've seen in the past from Red Bull. And I think there's there's an influence from Honda in this regard because they've probably requested a little bit of breathing space to help the cooling in that region. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if we cast our minds back to 2015 when they first came back with McLaren, McLaren literally went to them and said, we're going to go with a size zero approach, make it as compact as possible at the rear end. And the amount of times that that car had heating issues because of the Honda engine, they just had no room to work with. So Red Bull don't tend to pack their car that tightly, but they've obviously listened to Honda and that partnership is flourishing at the moment. So hopefully for them, Honda may have found ways to improve the car's performance and efficiency whilst being able to deal with the extra drag that's involved with a slightly bulkier 
rear end than perhaps some of its rivals, but um, there's definitely some room for encouragement there. Um, the rear wing itself doesn't look too changed from what they finished with last year, but again, I noticed there's a bolt-on component, so the chances are they will be changing that and developing that throughout the when, season. When it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. This is Red Bull. We know they're, uh, mm. how innovative they can be. Yeah, and it's important to look out for those sorts of components because those are the bits where we know there's going to be change. Don't necessarily think in testing it's going to vary too much, but from circuit to circuit, teams tend to like to change their rear wing concepts based on how much straight line speed they want to get and obviously how much downforce they want to run on the rear. And obviously there's that balance you have to find because it's, it's all fine having a working window for your car. But from circuit to circuit, it changes. And the larger the window, the more options you have available to you. Well, most teams won't have a good idea until a few races in, will they? Will well, they need to go? yes and no. I mean, it's, as I said, second year of these regulations. So obviously there's a lot of data available to them. But no team is standing still, so obviously the case is to improve your own concept, but try and get on top of it compared to everyone else's as well. Overall, the car looks quite good. The team seemed fairly buoyant about it. Um, I think the most important thing to note with the car is that a lot of its newer bits give it a very infant look, meaning that there's probably more room for development. So their ceiling seems a bit higher than what Ferrari's concepts are and perhaps Mercedes as well. So if they can start the season strong, the only path for them is to go up and I feel that that's a good sign for them towards the end of the season if they're anywhere near the championship around the halfway point Max Verstappen in particular will definitely fancy it and I think Alex Albon as well will feel pretty confident it's a big season for Albon it is a big season for him but I would say it's going to be it's going to take some sort of disaster for him to end up dropping back I mean we've seen the likes of Gasly last season and not Kivyat. really performing well and Kvyat as well lo- losing yeah. his seat at Red Bull programme yeah. altogether but they seem to have some more faith in Albon. He seems to show some good pace and he'll be looking to mix it with the others. He'll have to this year. He'll have to show his pace. But I think he's got it in him. Uh, and hopefully the car, as the season progresses, continues to get stronger and stronger. It's definitely my pick, who I feel, if anyone's going to beat Mercedes, because Ferrari's always a big unknown. They're either going to be really good or really bad. And they yeah, there's usually to, a no in between with Ferrari. They struggle to find that consistency. But I think in Red Bull, if they can start the season strong which I believe they probably will, judging by the looks of their car, then there's a very good chance that this could be the year that they finally get back on top after, oh, since 2013, since they last won since the Drivers' well, Championship be in the, uh, Sebastian Vettel. Well, so. be the first team to beat Mercedes in the hybrid era, Yeah, it? yeah, absolutely. It'd be a shame, though, it'd be a shame, as a Mercedes fan, because I want Mercedes to get the full sweep of winning every single championship in the hybrid <laughs> era. That would be, I'll be honest, that would upset me a little bit, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Oh, we've still got many more years. To, I mean, the hybrid era probably looks like it's going to be here to stay. There's no changes in egg- yeah. engine regulations from 2021. And of course, we haven't mentioned that yet, that a lot of these big teams are going to have their eyes on it. But I think, given what we're covering and the bigger teams that we're covering in tonight's podcast, I would say... Equally, they're all got their eye on 2021, but they have more than enough resources, more than enough personnel to divert resources equally and not to sort of shift the balance one way or the other between. So they can go for this championship. I know for sure Ferrari are definitely going for this championship. Ferrari need need a championship. They are the biggest team in the sport. They really need a championship. Well, they haven't won a championship since 2007, a driver's championship. No, they won constructors in 2008. That's right, yeah. yeah. And they'll be hurting from that, but for them, the feeling is probably so numb now from that, from how long it's been. They probably it's the same feeling. New season, just gotta finally get on top of things. They were very close in 2017 and 18. 18 probably should have definitely won it. The problem um, for Ferrari, I feel, is it's the amount of pressure because they're almost a national institution, aren't they? 
Oh, absolutely. The likes of Mercedes yeah. and Red Bull don't have that pressure, and it, and it shows. It shows. It, it at times it's just it's it's painfully obvious that there's so much pressure on them. Yeah, no, they have to definitely get on top of it. I mean, Sebastian Vettel. I mean, the, the one good thing I will say about if <laughs> we keep mentioning Sebastian Vettel, well, the one good thing I will say for him is that Ferrari can produce a car that's quicker than the rest. It means there's going to be more less cars for him to run into. Oh well, yeah, that's a fair point, on, isn't it? Yeah. Except for his teammate, but um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. But we will touch on that. In I'm sure course. we will. Yep. Moving on, uh, we will now have a look at the world reigning champions, the Mercedes W11. Yep. Now, I know this was a car calling that you were very much looking forward to. And in fairness, I think the world collectively wants to see the world champions. What have they brought? Because every year we always talk about, right, who's going to be the team to topple Mercedes? What's this team got? What's they got? And the reality is... You can't establish a pecking order without seeing the benchmark, and that has been for the last five, six years now. The Mercedes, and they find, and they find different ways to be the benchmark. Though they're, they're, they're not just leading in just one aspect, are they? They're, they just find new ways to, you know, raise you know, as soon as saying about you know, you know, trying to find the seat, they always find a way to raise the standards. I mean, it's unprecedented what they've achieved. I mean, we look at. In the past, we saw the dominance of other teams in the past. We see Ferrari have their dominance from 2000 to 2004. We saw the McLaren dominance in the Honda period back in the 80s. Williams had their time as well in the early 90s. And even Benetton for a couple of years with the Schumacher-Braun partnership. I don't think I've ever seen a team dominate Formula 1 and continue to raise the bar. You almost feel like they've reached the ceiling of what is possible in terms of performance. And yet, every opportunity they get, when it seems like they're finally going to get beat, they smash through that, and then they come out on top. And it's amazing how they keep doing it. I, I, how do you keep do you pushing yourself? Do you know why I've noticed about Mercedes? What's that? <clears throat> they, I know every team hates losing, obviously, but they'll have like a bad race. Like you look back, you know, where they struggled in Singapore in the in the past, or they struggled at Austria. It hurts them that badly that they just put in a lot of time and effort. Into just just because they that that one you know one bad race hurt them, they just find a way to not almost not completely turn it around, but to make a fairly big difference on the car so that it doesn't happen again. Yeah, I mean, if we cast our minds back to Germany last year, uh, they had the brand new livery, they had the special yeah. livery out, they had the sorry, Leihosen. sorry, sorry, I do not remember Germany two thousand nineteen. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure you'd be happy to remind me um, what happened there. Well, I mean, it, we all know they had the uh, special livery, yeah. they had the Lederhosen, the everyone yeah. was all in high spirits, uh, home Grand Prix as well, sort of. Um, for, well, for the brand, not necessarily for the team. And everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. And I think the crowd was just so excited to see a team as brilliant and as well-drilled and as disciplined and as, as flawless as Mercedes. And they carry this aura about them that you have to be perfect to beat them. Considering how close Ferrari have been in the past, it's almost like if they were perfect, they'd beat them. But when you're less than that, Mercedes will get you. The fact that they had that and Bottas had his crash, Hamilton went off the road, he went the wrong way. Wasn't Lewis Hamilton sick that weekend as well? I think he was complaining um, about sickness. I thought, that, wasn't that the year before when he won from practically last? Or, or I think I, 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 I think he said something about being sick. I, I mean, know. if he wasn't sick before, he's definitely sick coming out of there. I mean, <laughs> given the man's champion of vegan diet, I'm sure Germany's probably not the best place to uh, no, enjoy it. No. Although more power to him, I've definitely tried a vegan diet myself and it is not easy but I will persevere eventually 
Yeah, don't, Orf- don't look at me. That's not going to be happening anytime. No, Orf- I mean, we live right next to a kebab <laughs> shop, so it's not really a good start, is it? We've got Domino's it's, on it's speed called, It's called the Little Kebab House. Feel free to uh, try it. They do brilliant meat and chip wraps. <laughs> We're not being paid to endorse that. We just re- <laughs> we just know a good kebab when we see one. It, it's, 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 a, it's actually an, um, an emotive statement or an advertisement. Oh, is that right? When are, yeah, we, yeah, when yeah, are we getting yeah. a royalty check for that one, then? Yeah, I have word of them on the way out. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, they, they know me by my first name. It's okay. Oh, well, that's all right, then. That's, yeah. always, that's always a good sign if you're a <laughs> local chippy knows you by name, eh? Um, yeah so the Mercedes car again similar to the other two Evolution on last year's concept more refined and detailed amazingly though with the Mercedes no matter how extreme they go with the concept it always is the most elegant looking car yep always is beauty it literally if you could design or have a model for what an elegant or beautiful looking Formula 1 car looks like in its design no liveries or anything the Mercedes is the benchmark it is the template and with that comes the speed. And it's amazing how they can produce a car or the aero package where you look at other teams and go, wow, that's extreme. There's loads of little bits on the car to manipulate and channel the airflow to get it working right. And yet the Mercedes, you don't see any of that. And yet they're always, and I think always in recent memory seems to be the team that gets this spot on. I mean, we've talked about how they used to have such a powerful engine in the early years of the turbo 2014 2015 yeah. so 2014 to 16 wasn't mm. it that was the main they were always the benchmark for the yeah. engine yeah. Um, and, and getting that V6 turbo to work better than anyone else could it was almost how did they do this they stole a march and they just didn't seem like they could be caught but now that the likes of Ferrari have caught and probably passed them to them. a level yeah, yeah. Um, particularly last year and 20, uh, 2018 as well look good um, and also the Red Bulls with Honda. Um, the Honda engines look very, very impressive. Maybe not on the level of Mercedes or Ferrari yet, but they're definitely very close, if not on par. Well, I was reading, I was, I was doing a bit of research this morning, actually, and um, they were saying that with this year's car, they're going to, um, they're looking at, you know, the calling of the engine, because that's where they were struggling a lot last season. Yeah, funny enough, it's in, yeah. it's, it's in my notes as well that they've mentioned. Um, I mean, uh, uh, the point I was making with Mercedes is that they, we can't just look at them as the powerhouse in terms of engine department. No, 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 no. They've no. built a car. James Allison, since he's been at Mercedes, has been revolutionary in this regard. It's something Ferrari never really were able to get on top of when he was working there. They were up against a, a fantastic Red they, Red Bull. Yeah, they were, weren't they? They but, were. They were unbeatable. But from... the Mercedes package itself. It's just more than just an engine now. The aero package is so impressive. The slow corners, they're even rivaling Red Bull, and they're always quick in the fast and mid-speed corners to the point where it almost seems, where do you find gains on them? And the only team that seems to be able to find gains on the old Mercedes is Mercedes themselves when they roll out new bits and new parts. Um, But just looking at this car, it's a similar front-wing concept with a narrow nose. They haven't really changed that much. Um, They've stiffened up the front suspension, particularly in the upright wheel bearing, uh, the wishbone area. Side um, pods? Yeah, I mean, the side pods, they, they've they stuck to that too much. There's a few little winglet areas on there and turning veins, which they're similar to the other cars. They haven't gone too extreme on their concept. Um, I mean, the, the bit I noticed with the suspension, it's kind of good that they've done that and lifted it a little bit because you don't really want to have things moving around too much. Like So I remember James Allison saying there was issues with the wheel bearing and the um, wishbone area where parts of it was sort of moving about. Right. And it wasn't really helping too much. And you don't want that moving about because that can affect the, obviously the turning speed of the car. It's not consistent. It can cause it to be a bit uncontrollable. But it's more efficient to stiffen it up than adding the weight. Because obviously you don't want that extra weight dragging you down. You stiff down. that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Adam. Moving right <laughs> along. Um, 
Uh, oh my <laughs> word! I'm gonna have to edit that out. Um, <laughs> um, Don't you dare! <laughs> We have to put up a poll on our social media pages that don't exist yet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, get on that one. So, uh, Mercedes have also included uh, angled floor slots at the front of the rear tyres. So, it kind of looks like they're they're not really pursuing that high-rate philosophy like Red Bull and Ferrari. But, to be fair, they're usually the one team that doesn't go that way. You usually get nine teams going for high-rate. And yet, to make the front end sort of grip better and to yeah. angle it better so it's better at the corner... But Mercedes don't seem to have that problem. They've, they've gone completely the other way on that uh, on that spectrum, and it works for them. It's compact and tightened at the rear end. A lot, a lot of teams are doing this, um, and they've had some cooling issues where they've had to shift a few bits around. And the new sus- rear suspension layout that they've introduced, that James Allison, I was uh, watching an interview he was giving the other day, talking about this and. With the rear suspension layer, they've had to sort of shift it around to accommodate these cooling issues and introduce more little ducts and inlet areas. Because that was the main that. issue, wasn't it, for Mercedes last season? It, it was the cooling issues. Definitely it was. was. I think they're not too bothered about performance too much, although they have made some gains on their, from their dyno tests on the engine. They seem to have made some gains from well, the controllers. Yeah. And that's something they wanted to address, but they've been more focused about the cooling and the reliability because yeah. it has called them out a few times. And it's always been an age-old problem with Mercedes where they've always had to have a limited operating window in that regard. But they seem to look like they've got on top of it, at least because they what really used to struggle in humid conditions in particular. But having said all that, as I've looked at the car, I've now this is going to be a little bit of a caveat here. Maybe this is me being more optimistic to the other teams, but I've found that it's a little bit underwhelming, perhaps compared to the Red Bull and the Ferrari, in terms that those two seem to have dug a little bit deeper with their concept to try and maximise it. Now that doesn't suggest that, and obviously I don't want. Mercedes fans listening to this or others the rage and say oh god here we go Mr Ferrari fan who doesn't want Mercedes to win it's not quite like that but I'll get my fellow Lewis Hamilton fanboys to start off <laughs> all 44 of them eh? <laughs> <laughs> 44 million actually oh sorry sorry team of best fans <laughs> best fans <laughs> but um, it just seems that the other two in particular have gone a bit more extreme with their concepts and that might be a good thing it might not I mean we've seen Mercedes they always seem to have this issue where it looks a bit underwhelming, but then they turn up to race day, they perform, yeah. the team is fantastic, they always seem to get on top of it on strategy, and it's very, very, very rare that um, they seem that there are issues or they seem to be panicking or they're cracking under pressure. As I said before, they, they have a bad race and they just seem to, you know, develop so much just from one bad result. Mm. That, that's what impresses me most about Mercedes, actually. But I'm not expecting them in testing to turn up the first week as they did last year with a basic really? version of their car and then turn up the next week with the second one. I think given that the rules haven't really changed at all in 20, 2020, I don't see the gain in that. Ferrari yeah. are rumoured to be doing something like that. I don't buy it. I don't and think they've got to remember there's only the six days of testing altogether instead of eight. Exactly. I mean, it's one thing to le- learn how everything's sort of working and that everything's okay and then bring all your aero parts to the next test. But there's really not enough time to really kind of see the benefit of that. So... I don't think that's going to work out for for them this year, but I expect I expect it to be a lot tighter between the top three. If I'm perfectly honest, um, I think given what I've seen so far on the launches, the the launch specs of the cars each in their own way look like they've made a good step forward. I think Red Bull may have made a larger step forward than the other two, but 
that's maybe I'm being a bit optimistic hoping those three but it definitely looks like it could be tighter between those three and hopefully we'll have a six car championship although we've said that a few times over the years given the way they were last year both Red Bull and Ferrari made improvements um, despite Mercedes still being dominant in regard last, se- last season was more about the performances that Lewis put in I know I know the Mercedes was very good but if you have a look for the season there were quite a few races where Ferrari and Red Bull were there or thereabouts but Lewis just Pulled it out of the bag. I feel, I've, you know, it, could this could this be another season where it's close and Lewis or Verstappen make the difference? I mean, only time can tell, really. Yeah, well, it could well be, but um, I think we will take this opportunity to wrap up the first part of this podcast and uh, join us after the short break, and we'll be back for part two, where we'll be discussing the new McLaren and also what our predictions are going to be for the twenty twenty season and what we're expecting testing. So, join us for part two. back to the second part of the DNF1 podcast so uh, thank you for joining us again if you're watching, uh, listening through the first half hope you enjoy that so far um, so we just to touch on we were talking about the new cars the Ferrari the Red Bull and the Mercedes the, the likely challengers for the 2020 World Championship and we're also going to touch on uh, another team and that is McLaren they come fourth last year a personal favourite of ours must be said we're intrigued to see where they get on and um, did you see the launch Corny of the uh, MCL thirty five. Yeah, I mean, well, in terms of um, you know, I've, I've, well, I did notice they're going with a matte finish this year, aren't they? Yes, so they're going with the uh, papaya matte finish. It's a nice livery. I mean, I'm more of a fan of last year's one, but I'm not, I'm not too disappointed with what they've done this year. I think it looks no. quite good. Um, it seems to be quite common. A lot of teams doing the matte finish now. You had the yeah. Red Bull were doing it for years. Ferrari. Ferrari have done it recently. They've stuck with it again, and now McLaren. Overall, I would say the McLaren, perhaps a bit simplistic, I think, is probably the is the accurate term in my perspective. I mean, similar to the Mercedes, they've gone with a similar concept to what they've done. They've tried to evolve on last year's concept, uh, and I've mentioned that a few times with a few of the teams. So that would be like the phrase of the episode. I think so. I mean, I, yeah. there's always a common phrase, and I think as you sort of go through I think we need to have a jar so that there's a particular phrase that we use so there's that and tight rear end and beaver's mouth but there were some detailed changes so there were some small changes on the front wing uh, the overall concept was quite the same they've still stuck with the outer end sweeping down a little more than it did last year the nose looks a little narrower uh, so it's still retaining that Mercedes style uh, that worked well from for they're having a decent front end Front suspension's a little higher where the wishbones are, similar to the Mercedes concept. It should allow the airflow coming in from the front f- wing flaps. That's a funny word. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you expected me to say something, but I didn't. Well, I was looking at it and I thought, if there's going to be a word in my notes that you're going to love, it's going to be flaps. Sorry, seems like that's a bit of a you problem. <laughs> <laughs> Don't search flaps on Google, whatever you do. You will not get a Formula One car flaps. Wait, when I looked through your search history last time, flaps was actually right at the top, so that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it was related to cars, though. (laughs) I made sure of that. Um, Flaps cars in bold. Yes. Explicitly bold. (laughs) 
<laughs> Back to the notepad. That wasn't the notepad. I wrote that all down. <laughs> <laughs> word for word. We scripted that earlier. Oh, I um, forgot. Oh, yeah. You partake in half of this, you keep forgetting. That's why we rehearse. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I clearly rehearse. Yeah, well, I sent you the notes. <laughs> Obviously, you didn't pay attention to them. So, um, yeah, so coming back on to McLaren, so the Bardsward area, again, I mentioned it's quite simplistic. It's not bad, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's not good, but it's nowhere near the level of sophistication that Mercedes have included at the end of last year with their car. Um, there's a lot of good turning veins on the Mercedes car, you know, a little bit of hooks, pieces of aero bits that sort of influence the air in and around that area, uh, which is, it makes up, and I must stress that this, um, it does make up a lot of the time, however I must, yeah, as I said, I must stress that this is a bolt-on component as well, so it's likely that we're going to see developments in testing or perhaps an improved version in Melbourne, um, it is a launch car after all, so even though I'm not giving it the seal of approval as of yet, normally... Um, as that I would expect when I was looking at this car, I expect to see little turning veins on the, on that area. A lot of the teams aren't going to be revealing a lot at this point. No, of they? course not, of no. course not. But a lot of teams have done little bits. Um, but what is important is these parts of the car, these veins, as I keep mentioning, they do make up a lot of the aero performance in that area. So I'm not really seeing too much on there at the moment. But as I said before, it is a bolt-on component and it is a launch spec. So I'm exactly. hoping... Yeah. For McLaren's sake, and I'm sure James Key and Andrew Settle would have would have made this point. They're not going to reveal everything straight no. away, but I am hoping to see more of that uh, as the test progresses and maybe into Melbourne as well. Um, so the rollover bar or the airbox at the top of the car, as or as Lando Norris was showing in the teaser when he was having his seat fit as Baby Yoda, <laughs> which I was quite disappointed it didn't end up being Baby Yoda. He ended up just going with a regular airbox. So you know, boo on that one. That was a bit boring. Um, but it features an internal triangle at the top that splits into four ducts. Now, I believe that one of those will be for the turbo, the main one in the middle, and the others around it will sort of help with cooling um, for the gearbox and the engine. The Renault power units have had a quite a history of overheating problems with McLaren as well, and Lando Norris will definitely testify to that. A few fifth-place finishes went begging, particularly in Spa, where uh, some overheating problems did not help with that. So McLaren... With that in mind for this year, despite the fact that they're going to go to Mercedes engines in 2021, this year they've had to build a car with that in mind to maximise its I really cooling. hope that next season, uh, probably won't happen, but I really want to see the return of the uh, the silver and red library. I do miss that. I do. I do. I mean, I, I like the black, silver and red. I think that was with uh, a, a former brand of cigarettes. Obviously, we're not going to mention oh, oh, yeah. on there. And, yeah. and liveries back then were sort of influenced by... Particularly, McLaren were influenced very heavily by particular uh, brands of alcohol, cigarettes yeah. in the past, which obviously Formula One and its partners are now trying to avoid. And there's obviously the controversy surrounding Ferrari's partnership with Mission Winnow. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. On their cars, again, rearing itself. So don't be surprised if you see a big fat SF1000 <laughs> replacing that. Just to touch on that, where did they go? I mean, I know the SF1000, for those of you who don't know, the naming convention behind that car... Uh, resides around the fact that this will be the thousandth race this season that Ferrari will partake in. <laughs> I thought you might. Um, I think what, one thing that I did have to ask myself before I realised there were some races that Ferrari didn't partake in, despite being there from the beginning in the 50s, is that why wasn't the thousandth race at the Chinese Grand Prix last year when it was the thousandth Formula One race? But obviously... There you go, know, it makes sense. A lot, of, a lot of people were scratching their heads, but there were some I'm races. literally scratching my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be... Uh, what shampoo are you using at the moment? 
Do you know what? I'll, I'll go with... Um, well, is it, is it okay if I mention? Because, you know, we're product placement and all that. Well, I mean, if you've got some laid out here, I mean, I've got an array of... Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say it was it was a product that um, Joe Hart is very much associated with. Ah, right. Look at that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite mainstream like that. Oh, good, good, good. We're yeah. sticking, sticking loyal to... Uh... I don't know how to finish that sentence, really. I'm just going <laughs> to roll on with that. Anywho, yeah, so, but with the McLaren, um, it, it, they've gone, f- it, it's a wider um, airbox let than the Ferraris and the Red Bulls. Obviously, Ferrari is quite the triangle one, distinctive Red Bull. I've gone for a bit of a rounded one, but this one there. Um, but the real detail in the McLaren is at the rear of the car. So this is where it starts getting positive, you McLaren fans. I'm going to start talking this car up. So this is their season. This is it. This is it. This is how they're going to break them into the top three. Surprise everyone, rather than stay. I want to see forth. Lando Norris on the podium so badly. Well, it's definitely doable. I mean, Carlos oh. Sainz nearly made it in Brazil. Um, Honestly, I said, no, sorry, he, did, he did make it in Brazil. Well, excuse, yeah, yeah, yeah excuse did, me, yeah. he did. Oh God, is it, I'm supposed to do an F1 podcast. I don't even have a clue what's going on. But, it's okay, um, don't beat yourself up over it. Oh man, we need to record more takes. <laughs> Stop. We'll, 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 we'll scrap this. We'll go again from the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. Podcast <laughs> over. Um, but the real detail of the McLaren is going to be at the rear of the car. So, like the Ferrari, uh, the McLaren has made quite a big deal about the way the rear of the car has been packaged. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely. I mean, the rear of the car itself. Um, for those of you who are not too familiar with this, it can be a huge influence on how the airflow goes around the car. So if you're able to reduce the amount of unnecessary blockages in that area, for example, the rest of the car will respond. Um, and the rear of the car can, in some cases, influence how the front front wing works, which yeah. is quite essential because the front wing is usually the first point of contact with the airflow and it channels the airflow throughout the rest of the car. But obviously, if the rear of your car's compact properly, and there's not any area or bits of that car that's really obstructing that airflow, it can really make a difference to your front end grip. And McLaren has drawn big emphasis on this, and it's similar to how Ferrari have done. So people look at the Ferrari, the rear end, and say, oh, well, how's that going to fix the problems at the front? Well, the reality is, is that's one of the main reasons why they focus on... Well, well you know, the back with, with the F1 cars, a lot of the air is obviously codependent on each other. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's all there. I mean, you know, if, as I said, it, the, this rear of the car, the McLaren, it's... It's also going to be able to help with the size of the coat bottle area at the end of the car where the, and also influence the airflow and improve how the diffuser works and the rear wing. I haven't seen too much details on the diffuser yet, but a lot of those quite intricate pieces that are probably, naked to, uh, probably difficult for the naked eye to see. Right. But you'll be able to see those little bits that will add up and improve lap time. So that's something on McLaren that I'm actually really excited to see. It seems like they've done a good job with the rear end of that car. But, um, but uh, yeah, no, so that's going to be good. Um, the significance of Andrew Settle uh, as team principal and James Key as technical director arriving last year. Um, it's a strength for the team in 2019. This is very much a James Key, Andrew Settle car this year. Andrew Settle's had a lot of impressive influence um, and success with the Porsche LMP1 projects in the World Endurance Championship. James Key's a very good, high quality designer. He's had successes in uh, revitalising Toro Rosso over recent years. He did work in Jordan back in the 90s mm. during their high heydays. Um, you know, so there's a lot of good people and personnel in this team now. And it looks like a team that's going to be on the way up. Of course, there are milestones for them to sort of achieve. Last year was a big one, finishing fourth place. They look quite comfortable. Yeah, they were end. comfortably fourth by the end, weren't they? Yeah, and there's no reason to suggest that 
that's going to change. I do feel that the battle is more likely to come behind them than in front. Yeah. But having said that, um, I mean, I, I say this with the caveat that all of the teams in the bottom half or Formula B, if 1B if you like, um, or Formula 1A, whichever you prefer to call it, the they're all going to be gunning for fourth place. But I think I think I think the team to be like Hass. Well, Hass, you know, because it's gonna it's, it's, it'd probably be Hass or Renault. I think yeah. I mean, I think I think we'll draw on our predictions towards the end of this. I think from before a car's actually taken to. I mean, they've had the shakedowns before the official test, and I think we can draw on on what we think is going to be the order. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally think it's going to be a three tier championship this year rather than a two tier. But McLaren definitely in my mind, look the favourites again to finish ahead of everyone else except for the front three. Um, having said that, I think they might be closer to the front three, but I just don't see them... There's such a big gap. You can't make that up over a space of a season. Can I mean, you, really? it's it's kind of huge. It's kind of looking at what Liverpool are doing right now in, the, in football, in the Premier League, and then trying to see the next tier of teams below that, the likes of Arsenal, United... Um, you know Tottenham, those teams are there. Even though they've got the potential to come back, there's a there's a push. But <laughs> let's change the subject yeah, before let's... my mood um, <laughs> takes a dramatic decline. Yeah, but I think we'll uh, move on. Oh, that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think the reason why I was saying it's a bit simplistic and not quite sophisticated, and perhaps um, it kind of echoes the points that Andrew Settle and James Keyes. So I was reading up on this the other day, and they mentioned that the McLaren has to take more risks on their concept to catch the top three. The car right now seems a bit too simplistic in key areas at present, but testing could see the emergence of the real go faster bits being applied to that car. And we might see the real McLaren. So I do feel that fourth place, providing that um, nothing goes against the grain and that everything reverts to type, it it seems that McLaren do look like they've got a good car that may be able to secure fourth again. I don't know about you, but McLaren seem like a team that are on the up. They seem revitalised. There's a great chemistry, as of now, between the drivers. I know that would change if the car became more competitive, but it just seems to be a good feel vibe coming from that team at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And they'll be gunning for that as well, so that's going to be an important point. So, I mean, I'm hoping for McLaren that this is just the next stage in them becoming... Uh, the powerhouse that they want used to be. I mean, for a private team as well, it's, yeah. it's always a big thing. I mean, we you know we look at um, Ferrari, Mercedes, or right, Mercedes is a, is a works team, but it, it's like a company within a works team. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull, yes, it's a private team, but it's funded by a, a multi-billion-pound uh, corporation. Um, yeah. that, and you know, there's heavy amounts. I, of I used to just call them a franchise team. They, they pretty much are a yeah. franchise team, but. Uh, it might as well be a works team. Obviously, they've got the Honda partnership, but it's exclusive to the Red Bull programs. And obviously, AlphaTauri yeah. now, uh, formerly Toro Rosso, who might I say, may I say that the livery on that car I mean look at getting into a fluster. Yeah. I am. Uh, yeah, just just thinking. <laughs> just I'm looking through the photos of the car, and I'm like, my word, like I'm almost <laughs> thinking, like, can you marry a livery? Like, this would be the one. Uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, considering that AlphaTauri is supposed to be a fashion, brand, a fashion brand and that they've bought into this and just renamed it like that. But, I mean, that's beautiful. 
I mean, I'm just showing, Oof. I'm just showing Courtney a picture. Cool, of Cool, look at that. Yeah. Cool, cool, <laughs> cool. Blimey. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it it really is. It's okay. I'm, it's perfectly normal. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'm, I almost feel like I'm going to have to return my Valentine's gift and give it, send it over to Alpha Tories. Like it's just, I'm in love with. Yeah, that, that's, that's you, you go with that. I won't judge. I mean, I, I like, <laughs> I like. The white is a I good like big car. <laughs> white is a white is a good base for a car, and they've definitely run with this really well. Um, wow! I mean, just look just looking through some of the other cars. We're not going to draw too much attention to them, but I mean, Williams. I want to draw. I want to make a point on Williams. Let's change the mood and talk about Williams. Yes, Williams a big year for them. It is. Um, it is obviously, it is. I don't think any of us suspecting miracles here that they're going to suddenly emerge again as championship contenders or even fighting for fourth place they'll be targeting it they'll be targeting it but I don't think they're going to get there I think it's a long journey yeah it's quite, there was quite a big gap wasn't there it's not, it's not going to happen overnight but they were making gains towards the end of the season and that must be said and with George Russell you know a, a very very highly rated driver I just I just I know and, 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 that, and that's the thing obviously you know as a as a British fan in particular like you want to you want to see you want to see what he's capable of because he showed it in F2 didn't he yeah no absolutely I mean he won the championship he was definitely the best driver out there and he showed yeah, he did. Yeah. in Formula 1 last season he didn't have the tools really to make that work um, and it was very difficult to compare his pace to Robert Kubica who is not the Robert Kubica of old for obvious reasons and he did a great job it was a brilliant story for him to return to Formula 1 and I'm glad he's found a seat racing in DTM you know for the, for the sake of his, you know, his mental well-being it's good you know because he came back and it would just be such a shame for him to have that massive high mm. And then to have a massive low again, so it is. It's great to see him still going. But they've managed to, so they've managed to keep the service, uh, the partnership with Rocket for yep. this season. Um, obviously, they've had the Martini brand for quite some time, but they're running Rocket for the second year in a row. And I have to say, one thing I will make a point: what is it with Williams these days and making their car liveries look like a toothpaste brand? Well, like literally, I'm not, I'm not going to joke around it, but it's literally the Colgate or the Aquafresh car. Um, I reckon I'm, I'm getting an Aquafresh vibe from that. Yeah, and I am too. I mean, I'm thinking, yeah. I'm feeling that we need to see George Russell in the new Aquafresh adverts. I haven't seen any because you have the little toothpaste, the mummy daddy and the little bit of toothpaste and then George Russell just comes in. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this I, is my I can, new car or something I, I, like that. I can see that when, when you have a little bit of time. Spare, yeah, I mean, if you, have have a, if you have a bit of time, listeners, just go online, have a look at an Aquafresh uh, box and then look at the Williams, the FW43 and tell me if there's a difference because I ain't seeing it. Go. I'm have, seeing that. Have, have clean teeth or end up at the back of the grid. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. I mean, the cars don't shirk out as much carbon as they used to. Yeah, right, so you're right, probably right. on to a winner there. But I'll give yeah. that solid seven. No, it's, it's important for you. It's, it's a nice delivery. I mean, I joke yeah, about no, it. Yeah, no, it does. It does look nice. But I'm really getting toothpaste vibes from this. So we're going to call this the Aquafresh car for this year, I think. There we go. Um, Renault, looking at it again, obviously, this is the thing I don't get. Because Renault are a funny one as well. Because they teased the new car... At their launch, but it wasn't a launch. It was basically a photo session. They basically turned up. You turned up to the Renault motorhome in Paris, uh, Renault factory in Paris, uh, in France, and um, basically they sat everyone down as you would do for a normal launch. They said the car wasn't ready yet. They hadn't built it. Mm. That's a bit of a worrying sign because that would normally suggest to me that the car's not ready. However, I have seen some leaked photos online of the new Renault, and to be honest. The livery is a little bit disappointing considering what they teased. Samey. It's the same as last year. Yeah. It's, you know, the yellow nose, but it looks like they've gone for the Mercedes 
type nose and front end. They probably just snicked last year's Mercedes. They probably didn't have a car and they just snicked <laughs> last year's Mercedes and painted it yellow. It's not a bad place to start. They've got that fluorescent <laughs> yellow paint from uh, Only Fools and Horses and they painted it on the <laughs> Renault. So that's probably why they couldn't show it with them dark concept images because you just see the yellow glowing everywhere. But um, they've got Esteban Ocon and Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, that's, arguably that's one, one of the best shit. driver lineups. Yeah, It's going to be the one I'm going to be interested in watching because that's going to be quite fiery because Ocon's come back after time at... Force India as it was at the time. And Ricciardo's no slouch, is he? No, and Ricciardo, yeah. this is going to be a big season for Ricciardo because there's going to be quite a few seats available, potentially one at Ferrari, depending on what happens with Sebastian mm. Vettel. Um, I doubt Red Bull's going to be an option, although if they, if he did want to go back there, I'm sure they would welcome him with open arms. But at the same time, he doesn't want to work with Max Verstappen again, surely. I mean, that's the kind of the reason he left. It was. Um, Mercedes... We've been hearing conflicting stories about Lewis Hamilton's future. I can't see anything other than no, him staying. I just no. think this is all part of the game, really. I reckon he'll stay there till he retires. Mm. Um, there's no reason for I think with Max, one of the reasons why he probably signed that long-term deal at Red Bull was due to the fact that it just seemed odds-on that Lewis Hamilton wasn't going anywhere. And, uh, and it's the same for Charles Leclerc as well, Ferrari. I just, I just can't see... I mean, Daniel Ricciardo could go to Ferrari, but I just think Ferrari might be looking elsewhere um, if Sebastian Vettel does leave. Well, that's the thing, though. It seems that, I mean, if if this season kind of follows on from, you know, the trend of last season, mm. you'd look forward and think, wouldn't you, that, you know, the main, the main man at Mercedes, as of now, is Lewis. Red Bull, Verstappen, and then Ferrari. Uh, for me, after, after Monza, it just seems that Leclerc is supposed to work for Ferrari now. I think... It's an interesting story on the Charles Leclerc because I personally feel he asserted himself as the number one. I've, I've, I certainly feel that way. Yeah, I think it was as early as Bahrain. I mean, really? Yeah, you know, seriously, because um, you know the race that they started, he got pole position. It was his first pole. Yeah, his it career. was. Yeah, it was a big, you know, big luck for him. Absolutely brilliant to see. Um, you know, and, and at first in Melbourne, you know, he accepted the team order to stay behind Vettel and just maintain sixth place. It wasn't great, um, but he did that, and. He went into Bahrain and he, it wasn't a great start. Vettel got in front of him on the yeah. first lap. But at the first point, he had a chance to overtake him. Rather than try and stay line astern, like he was giving the order. He didn't hang about. Him. No, he just went for it. He said, like, I've got a chance at winning this race here. And he just laid it down the inside. And Vettel said himself it was a fair move. He caught him off guard. It was a good overtake. And then he just controlled that race until the point where the car let him down. We were starting to see the Charles Leclerc that many people were talking about as going to be the guy in the future of Formula 1. And I'd watched him throughout his career at F2, and I saw him in his races. And if you haven't seen this, I definitely recommend watching Charles Leclerc, the 2017 F2 race um, in Bahrain. His incredible drive. You know, he put, you know, where he put on uh, in the sprint race, he put on the fresher tyres, and he went all the way down the back after leaving the race. And he just literally passed everyone lap after lap after lap until eventually he took the lead towards the end of the race. It was a fantastic drive. And I think that was when we started to realise that this is a guy that is going to be a top dog in Formula One. And I as think a neutral, it, yeah. as a neutral, I'd love to see more of him against Verstappen because that one always gets tasty, doesn't it? Yeah, they had a few moments. I mean, it was quite famously the Austrian race where Verstappen um, got his shoulders out and won it on the last lap. Um, but from that point on, Leclerc he had a different demeanour about him. He was trying to yeah. be nice and respectful. Um, but if you're going to succeed in Formula One, you've got to get your hands dirty. You've got Less to get your shoulders really, out. Wasn't it? And Max Verstappen's no stranger to barging his way through. He does not care who he has to mess with to get no, through. No, no, no. And it, and and that's 
a great attitude. That's what we want to see. Because Verstappen has rattled Vettel's cage on, well, at least several occasions now, hasn't he? Yeah, and Max, for his amazing talents, he does not care who he upsets. I mean, there's going to come a point where him and Lewis are going to clash eventually, and everyone's looking forward to that. It's almost like the young pretender against the old guard, and who's going to... And Max does seem the favourite for that. So we're all waiting for that one. I mean, they even mentioned already... um, there's a, bit, a little bit of mind games for the start of the season where Max was asked a question about Lewis and he was talking about him, not so much Charles, but particularly Max, um, saying that Lewis is not infallible. And well, he, said, he, said, he said he is good, but he, he is a god. Yeah, and Lewis, and then Lewis responded replied. with, um, I prefer to do my talking on the track and I find that when my rivals talk about me rather than do it on the track, it's almost a sense of weakness mentally. Yeah, that's and right. in fairness, <laughs> and do you know what? And, and some people say, oh, why is Lewis playing up to media? It was deliberately set up to get a reaction from him. But do you know what? There's two ways you can look at that. You can either say, yeah, he's kind of, you know, got to take it on and be respectful and say, yeah, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to be goaded into saying mm. something disrespectful. But then there's the other part that I like, the feisty put, that you don't see enough with Formula 1 driver. And he said, yeah, you can say that, but I'm the champ. A six, and, he's a six-time world champion. He, he he doesn't have anything to prove. Yeah, really, and, at this point and in his mentally, career, does he? mentally, I don't think Lewis has been tested mentally like this potentially since the 2016 season with Rosberg. No, um, but no. because of that, he's he's one of the most mentally strong drivers I think I've seen. It brings up. the best out of him, though. This, this absolutely. Is I mean, pressure makes diamonds, and in Lewis Hamilton, that is most certainly the case. Um, and he's a six-time world champion for a reason. He's going to be gunning for that this year. So that's going to be. Another thing worth talking about in the uh, in a future episode. I just want to touch on Racing Point. Let's do this. They've abandoned the Sports Pessa partnership and we've gone straight with BWT all over the car this year. Not too much changed on the livery. Still got the uh, pink panther look, which I think is a fan favourite. I'm glad they've kept that for this year. Although with the Aston Martin partnership kicking in from 2021 officially, I imagine that will probably change. But we will talk a bit more on that in due course. I mean, I'm just showing, for those who can't see, I'm just showing Courtney a photo of Stroll and Perez at the launch. And if you've seen this photo, and I do bid you to look at it, do let us know. But it looks like Perez is photoshopped into this. He's probably still chilling in Mexico. Just <laughs> sitting <laughs> in his kitchen. I, I was watching the launch live, and he was there. Like, he was there in the flesh. I don't know if it was a hologram. It was an amazing one. But he does look like he's photoshopped in there. Stroll's sitting there, like, yeah, yeah, I'll sit in the front. This is my dad's car. And all maybe, that. maybe he wasn't caught at the right angle. You can't get the light right. It was like the old Ashley Cole photo with Roma where he's sort of leaning in in training with everyone. It was a bit like that. But yeah, I mean, I haven't looked too much into detail into the Force India. Uh, sorry, the Racing Point, I should say. Force India just rolls up the tongue better. But, we're gonna, it is, but yeah. by the time we get used to saying Racing Point, it's going to be Aston Martin. So it's no point getting used to that. But Good old Force India. Yeah, I mean, it looks like they've got some bits on the car. And I think this is going to be a good car to follow because they've had some issues in the past where over their financial situation, their future in Formula 1, and it did hamper the design of the 2019 car. We saw there were delays in their progress and it took to later parts of the season when it started to pick up a bit more results. And I think this year is going to be the first Lawrence Stroll racing point car. And with that extra financial backing, they've obviously got the new wind tunnel simulator being built at the, at the site of Brackley. See, so usually, yeah. usually, see, I nearly said false in the bit. Usually, <laughs> usually they start well, don't they? So, you know, he's speaking about Red Bull. Yeah. They, you know, they, they have a slow start, but it's usually the other way around with. Racing point, yep, yeah, racing point. They usually start well, and then because they have a lack of funding, the other teams in and around them tend to catch up. Yeah, and this year I'm expecting racing point to be a challenge 
this year for the top four, uh, for a fourth place. I do think that they've got the resources they need now. It's, it's a team on the up. They've got some good personnel. They've been there for a while. And there's a lot of stability there. And, and there's a lot of good people. This is a team back in the Force India days when they used to run the old silver, orange and green. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the nostrils. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the nostrils. Not quite a beaver mouth, but nostrils <laughs> nonetheless. They were very good at maximising their package. They were one of those teams that they didn't have a massive budget, maybe like 100 to 120 million compared to... I know it does it make it sound like it's or not. It really isn't in the grand scheme of things when Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes are boasting 350 million and maybe more than that this year. Ferrari in particular, definitely. Me, me spare change in the pocket, eh? Yeah, pretty much. It's like you almost have like a whip round, really, to help these other teams out. <laughs> I mean, they're introducing a cost cap for around 150, 175 mil from 2022, officially onwards. But... Some of those smaller teams are going to be like, but we don't spend that much anyway. So no. you, you know, that's just like we still don't have the money to, to to you know to actually break that cost cap. So it's going to be interesting to see how they police that. But with Racing Point, yeah, they've had a history of being able to get the most bang for their buck. I'm expecting now with extra investment from the consortium led by Lawrence Stroll and obviously the partnership with Aston Martin that's going to take effect next season. It's a team on the up. They've got everything that they need, in my opinion, that this could be a force to be reckoned with in Formula 1 in the future. So do take note of Racing Point. Racing Point, you heard it here first. Yep, definitely. Probably somewhere else if you listen to another podcast. But <laughs> by the by... Um, no, no, obviously only listen to us. Only you? listen to us, of course. You know, <laughs> We'll give you the best blend of technical analysis and absolute nonsense. Clowning. Clowning. All for clout. <laughs> All for clout. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a YouTuber boxing match between the two of us at some point. You just have to take five years, build a follow, and then just make up a. Adam has the weight, and I have the range. Yeah, we're gonna have to swap that around. I need to run a bit more. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. So, uh, just a quick on Haas. So they were the first team to reveal their official car. Although, I still on the understanding they're gonna have another launch on the nineteenth on the first day of testing. So maybe it was just a livery thing. But, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a 2019 Ferrari with a slightly different front wing end plate. I mean, they ran a comparison on this now and that, it's almost uncanny. That is a franchise team. That is the <laughs> definition of a franchise team. I mean, it's a big year for Haas. They have to get this right. I, I do feel that they're, not, they're not signed up beyond 2020. Uh, one of the only teams that aren't signed up for 2021. They haven't really made inroads the way I thought they would. No, and it's one. I think this is kind of the problem when you've got a new team like this and they're still technically the newest team in Formula 1 at the moment this is kind of the problem where I almost look at because they joined in 2016 you almost worry that if they had joined later they probably wouldn't have been in Formula 1 at all had anywhere near the success they've had um, they've still got a good driver line up in Grosjean and Magnus and they've retained that on their day they're in- incredibly quick drivers but as we've seen fairly more often than not they've always they've always had issues or thrown good results away when it seems to be on the cusp of achieving something Having said that, I'm much more of a fan of this livery than the Rich Energy one. Yeah. Back to the old Haas colours. Don't it seems to drink suit a bit more. Rich Energy. I try and find one. I think that's a trick. I mean, they see this in Richmond. Do you know? Do you know? But... Do you know that like they've become like David Sullivan's mouthpiece on Twitter? Oh, I thought it was like a troll parody account. No, no, they've the become, they've become, yeah. they've become a, a mouthpiece for. David Sullivan. Oh, well, for those of you that aren't too familiar with football, so Courtney's referring to one of the owners at West Ham United who, as a West Ham fan himself, is not overly keen on what's going on There's at the a moment. protest against the board on the 29th of February. Please be there. Oh, no. Well, OK. We're not going to get too political with that one. I was thinking about... Oh, we've gone down here. I was thinking about... 
You had to bring that up. I was thinking of doing a little Brexit piece on how Ferrari is going to be the only thing to benefit from Brexit <laughs> owing to the uh, changes in free movement across Europe. Brexit is not allowed to be spoken about on this podcast. It's if you speak about the... Brexit, I'm walking out. This it's going be to be a solo podcast. The one and only time. We're not going to get too. We're not going to get political anymore. So, but no, with Haas, as I said, I think it looks like an SF90. Fairly similar to that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of non-listed parts as part of the partnership with Ferrari to take advantage on. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I know some teams were complaining a couple of years ago that they were trying to copy this 2017 Ferrari. But there's a lot of similarities on that. I'm expecting us to introduce more bits on it, so it might just be a testing or a launch livery. So hopefully we'll see more detail on that. Which brings us to Alfa Romeo. I'll be honest with you, the Alfa Romeo is a bit of an enigma. We don't really know if it's going to be good or really bad. There's no indication in my mind to suggest that one way or the other. And it's weird because 20, 2018, they did really well. They had Charles Leclerc and they had Marcus Ericsson. It was a very good car and it got yeah. very stronger, the C37. And towards the end of the season, Charles Leclerc was backing it up with the front guys. And Marcus Ericsson was doing well himself. I mean, I remember in the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2018, like Charles Leclerc got himself ahead of Ricciardo in the Red Bull. And he was pushing for the front guys and obviously until he come across problems in, and obviously with strategy issues. 2019 was a difficult year for Alfa Romeo. They started off reasonably well. Raikkonen was scoring regularly. Giovinazzi, he comes stronger towards the end of the season. And perhaps if he started the season like he ended it, he might have scored more points. I think that's why he got retained ultimately. But it seems to be a team where it just doesn't seem to give me confidence that if they have a good car, they're going to be able to carry on with it. I don't really know what where they stand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they they tried to be they've labelled themselves like Renault in some regards as this team that um, it, it's a rebirth of the old Sauber. They're trying to reinvigorate themselves, and you can only run that label for so long before you're saying, "Guys, I just don't think it's working for yeah. us," or something we're doing is not right. And I just feel that. Sometimes, you know, they might improve bits on their car or they don't. It's a bit inconsistent. And they kind of give me the vibe as a team that they seem a bit more lucky than good. And the problem with being lucky in Formula 1 is that it's all fine and well. You might put a bit on your car, it might work, it might not. And if you're a bit fortunate and it works. But then if you're fortunate in that it works and you don't quite understand how it works, how are you meant to improve on that concept? Because you don't understand it. I mean, I, I just don't know where... They're going to be this. I, I, I just feel this can kind of be between them and Williams at mm. the back. Well, this is this is why I was alluding to a free tier. So, I mean, let's hope for the best. I mean, they, they, they did test. Uh, obviously, they had some running at Fiorano at their shakedown. It's like Renault have a launch without a car, and then they have, a, and then Alfa Romeo have a car that runs, um, but no launch. Not at least until the nineteenth, where they'll just unveil it on test yeah. day. They had that snakeskin Valentine's livery and. I will say one this. I will say uh, sorry. I will say this one thing. Why are you teasing us with these testing liveries or these shakedown liveries? Because that is a gorgeous livery that they ran, similar to the one they had last year with the sort of like the camouflage Valentine's print, and they got the snake skin one like for the Alfa Romeo symbol. Run with that. Yeah, That's I don't understand nicer, that. Yeah. I mean, Red Bull, you're privy to this as well, so you're not getting away with this one, but. <laughs> Because you guys always used to tease us with the camo liveries, and then obviously you had the Valkyrie project where you ran that matte uh, bluish purple colour with the red beside. I thought that was gorgeous. I love that. 
Why not run with that? <clears throat> They're so good. But I mean, why you, I, reckon, I reckon you should start a petition. You never know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Why? Everyone's starting a petition these days. A lot of good there causes go. out there. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like this one deserves some kind of credit or some merit. There you go. There's so many signatures you can get. Yeah, Inspire, yeah. So I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll throw a piece of paper around somewhere, just writing down Red Bull should stick to their camo liveries, and then we'll see how we go. Yeah. Try and you know, get... it sounds like a flawless method. Yeah, flawless method. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to keep track of you. I'm going to let you guys to uh, sort of let me know how that gets on, or put in the comments section um of course one thing i should mention on this is that we will have a q a segment to future podcasts of course when my illustrious co-host courtney decides to get his ass in gear and actually sets up a social media page do you know what maybe it'll come in in time for the big regulation changes in 2021 yeah i don't feel that i'm confident they've already had the regulation changes <laughs> I'll bring it in. That's what yeah, I'll do. Yeah, what, 29th? Oh, it's 30th of February. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So hold, hold me to it. No, oh, 30th of February. I'll check up on him. <laughs> okay, so yeah. So that's, in an, in a nutshell, covering most of the cars. Of course, we've gone more in-depth with the front three and McLaren than the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will talk about the others at another time. So, for those of you that don't know, uh, the testing starts this Wednesday. Obviously, Wednesday, we're recording yeah. this on a Monday night. So it starts on the 19th of February and if you're in the UK you can follow it all day on Sky Sports and on F1 Digital as well. <coughs> I think I'm just might come down with the you know, uh, coronavirus. Oh great. Yeah. yeah was... it, might, it might it might be like a, a three day a three day case of it. The, the quarantine for two weeks. Nah, I'll just I just need three days off. Oh right, and you couldn't have done this on Skype before you told me. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Well now right. you have it. Now you can watch testing oh, as well. Oh yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. There we go, everyone's tell, a winner. I'll tell that to my work. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> brilliant. So uh yeah. Uh, well I've got plenty of Phoenix over there, so that's fine. We're just endorsing everything today. There's no filter. <laughs> So yeah, no, so testing starting on the 19th of February for three days in the first week, and then it will start again on the 26th the following week. Besides seeing the amount of sandbags that Mercedes are going to drop over the course of that, um, it'd be interesting to see what the teams do. Obviously, there's no covers this year, so gone are the days where the teams are going to have the little covers over their garages so people can't look in. It's going to be Ferrari, Ferrari. That, that was like Ferrari. a full blown. I, I, think, I think that's where all their funding went last season. Fucking... <laughs> <laughs> We've got, we've got a load of bouncers from Weatherspoons yeah. who wants over the car. Do you know what? It's, it's funny because I remember, that. do you remember the time when they had that in testing? They had people sort of walk around. You had the McLaren yeah. ones following around. I was around, saying, you'd have Ted Kravitz trying, trying to get his little eye in. Yeah, you'd have yeah, like a bouncer it. from Weatherspoons yeah. coming out and turning him to sod off. That's it. Like, where's your ID, mate? That's it. That like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be interesting to see. Cause, uh, but then I, I find it crazy because they have these paid photographers taking photos. By the time we get to the first or second race, everyone has blueprints and schematics and drawings of everything. In this social media age, mate, there's no such thing as a secret. Even the royal family know that. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh, we, we, we had a good episode and now we're gone. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We're finished. It's, it's over before it even starts. Oh, man. We had plans. Sorry, guys. We had plans. <laughs> it's all gone. All gone. But, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think this is a good opportunity to kind of draw it a little bit. So I just, think it's a perfect time to end an episode. Well, before we do, I think we should probably give our little predictions for the season. At this point, right. we will review these again, so don't take these at face value. They obviously will be subject to scrutiny at no point. Um, providing, of course, I'm assuming neither of us are going to say Ferrari are going to run away with it this year, as a lot of people thought they were going to do last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'll start with you, Courtney. Let's uh, go with your pecking order in order from... First to last. 
So, my heart and a good fraction of my head are telling me that Lewis Hamilton will be a seven-time world champion come the end of what November or does it end December? It'll be December this year. So, it'll okay. be um, some Mercedes, you say, at the top. Yep, so it'll be Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, depending on how they've uh, they balanced the car out compared to last season. So, this going to the top three. Yeah, well, yeah, for top three. So, we're assuming that for obviously Ferrari could be between second and third, but you think they're going to be third? Um, I reckon yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, for the, do you reckon it's going to be two tiers or you reckon it's going to be three tiers? I think I agree with you. It'll be three tiers. I yeah. think it'll be you have the the usual three, and then you have your midfield, and then at the bottom, I reckon it will be a close battle between Williams and Alfa Romeo. So to clarify, what's your middle look like from fourth to Kay. fourth down? McLaren. Renault. So McLaren, then Renault. Yeah. Uh, Racing Point, then Haas. Okay. And so your bottom three would be uh, Alfa Tori, Alfa Romeo, yes. Williams, in that order? Uh, something's telling me that Williams could make a step. I reckon it could be Alfa Romeo at the bottom. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm With a bit of fault, yeah. I feel that it could be. Cause I, I, feel, I feel that George Russell could come into the picture here. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm my opinion doesn't really differ too much from that. I'm kind of the same opinion. I, I think the top three, I mean, in some regards, I'm, I'm going to throw uh, a little caveat here. I said this earlier in the podcast, and I, I'm going to stick with this. I think this could be Max Verstappen G. I think if Red Bull get on top of their, the front end, which I think they look like they have, and can start the season strong... I think Max is ready for a real title challenge. We've been saying this for a few years now. He's looked on the on the cusp of it. But I think this year could be his year for that. So I'm going to say Red Bull first. Mercedes second. But it's going to be tight between the top three. Ferrari just third. I just think Sebastian Vettel, it's a big question mark over him. He's under a lot of pressure this season to deliver. I just don't know if he's going to be able to come out. He's shown moments of brilliance throughout last year, but I think those are a bit more few and far between. I think Charles Leclerc will be much more prominent at the front as he was towards the latter end of last season, as he got a lot better and a lot more consistent. But I just think Ferrari, uh, in terms of the development package, there's going to get to a point where they may start to prioritise 2021 completely. And the concept of their car was quite flawed in 2019, even though I said it looked like they might get on top of it this year, and I do believe that they are going to do that. I just think the Red Bull seems more impressive and the Mercedes is just Mercedes, really. I just think Red Bull have more about them in terms of being able to topple them. So I'm going to say Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari. Interesting. So the second tier, F1B, if you like, uh, again. <laughs> That's going to be another one of my keywords, <laughs> F1B this season. Uh, McLaren fourth. I think they're going to be quite comfortable in fourth place. They've got Hopefully. Sainz and Norris, yeah. two very good drivers, especially Carlos Sainz. I mean, in, a, in an alternative world, could be in the Red Bull as well if things had worked out a bit differently. If Red Bull had handled the junior programme a bit better. I think, I um, think Sainz is due a big driver. And we will they? talk about that as well. That's going to be, I yeah. do want to talk about that in due course, the Red Bull programme. But yeah, I think McLaren fourth. I'm going to go out on a limb here and I think Racing Point are going to be fifth. Sergio Perez has always been pretty impressive. I think he's one of the best runners in the midfield. I think that racing point over the season is going to outdevelop Renault. I really feel that Renault's last year, their car, very underwhelming. I don't think they got on top of it at all. They changed a lot compared to 2018, and it didn't really work for them. I think 2019, they're going to try something a little bit similar, where they're going to change a lot on this car. 
in 2020. Yeah. So it, it may prove to be a downfall for them, even though I do feel that in Ricardo and Ocon, it's going to be a very, very good drive lineup. So they might be able to counter that, but I'm going to be bold and go racing point fifth. Renault sixth. I'm going to say AlphaTauri in seventh in that midfield. So it's going to be very tight between those three in particular, but I think AlphaTauri will be seventh. Uh, Gasly and Kvyat, a lot to prove this season, and both of them got podiums last year. Having said that, one thing I will say about AlphaTauri, what they tore Rosso last year, is that those two podiums really inflated their performance. It kind of flattered them a bit, because overall the performance of the car was not great. The drivers, obviously they changed it halfway through the season when Gasly replaced Albon and Albon went to Red Bull. Those two podium finishes really it shot up their performance in the constructor set, and they very nearly got past Renault. They were very close to passing Renault for fifth place last season. And I just feel that, yes, there's a lot of good things on that car, and it does look impressive in livery. It's, in my opinion, one of the best cars I've seen in a while. But I just feel that the others are going to have a bit too much for them. Mm. Um, so drawing to the bottom three, Haas, probably the easiest team to place, in my opinion, eighth place. I think, yes, Magnussen and Grosjean on their day, very, very good drivers, but I feel that those days, again, are a bit few, more few and far between. There's obviously tensions and rifts within that team, and their future's in such famously, doubt. Famously. Yeah, famously, but I think, yeah. I mean, our favourite, one of our favourite team bosses, Gunther Steiner, we love Gunther, and obviously, <laughs> the new Drive to Survive series starts in on the 28th. I'm really looking forward to that. We want to see more Gunther, I think, from the first, he'd become a bit of a legend overnight from that series it's, it's, it's going to be really exciting to watch um, Germany's going to be my, or Italy's going to be a good episode but yeah no Haas the doubt over their future is going to play quite weight on them and I'm worried that if Haas don't perform that this may be the last that we see or they may not be on the grid for 2021 which will be a shame because we want to see a 10 car grid and there won't be another team coming and also in. you know have some kind of American influence in the sport absolutely well. it needs yeah. it there's a huge market out there and I think yeah. Haas do a lot to help promote the brand of Formula 1 to America and that's what Liberty Media want they want to introduce Formula 1 to that American market with the potential for the Miami race Yeah, if that comes up in 2021 or beyond that um, I mean I've already had the layout agreed in principle and stuff like that so we'll see how that goes Williams like you said I think they're going to be ninth I think at the start of the season they're going to be battling with Alfa Romeo but over the time I think Williams they, they showed signs of improvement and the car the rear end does look quite nice I must say it's quite compact and they seem to have done a lot of work on it so I'm going to give them credit where credit's due and I think they're going to get ninth and um, they've got two good drivers in George Russell and Nicholas Latifi Latifi always looked quickly in F2 was runner up last season in the championship to Nick De Vries um, and I think he's ready for a seat in Formula 1 so I think that's going to be a good element, a good dynamic for them and Alfa Romeo yeah I mean that again I don't know how they're going to be doing but I'm going to be safe and I'm going to say that they haven't really impressed me or overwhelmed me or give me that confidence that they're really going to make a charge forward this year. So I'm going to say they're going to be back of the pack, which is a shame because I don't think the fans want to see Kimi at the back. Or see, for, for me, I'd just see um, I'd just see Afro Romeo as Kimi Raikkonen in FC. <laughs> well, that's it, and that's part of the fan fan. I mean, we all yeah. love Kimi. We all want, yeah. we want more and more of Kimi, but yeah. I think Kimi now these days. I don't remember the last time. I mean, excluding the American Grand Prix in 2018 for Ferrari. I can't remember the last time Kimi Raikkonen really had a stellar stonking drive in him. He's always a guy that you know if you've got a car that's going to get in the points, he'll get you some points. Yeah, yeah. We know that with Kimi. He's a decent driver, former world champion, but it's been 
a good number of years since he's put in a performance which has said, wow, Kimi is back. Yeah, and Giovinazzi, yeah. again, he was strong towards the latter part of last season. Had a bit of a bad spell, throwaway points in some races, most notably in Spa, when he had that incident where he retired on the last lap from that crash, which would have got him his first points. He's one of them drivers that kind of makes mistakes that you don't really see much, like pseudo errors. Almost a bit ghosting. Like He'll make those little errors, but you don't really see them because they're not obvious or massive ones. But yeah. over time, and if you accumulate enough of those, you're going to lose time and performance and you drop back from the field. So for him, it's a big year, but at the moment, I think he's got pace, but I just, I don't know. I need to see a big improvement from him before I feel more confident. And I think in terms of driver lineup, it's definitely not the most striking or the most inspiring. No. So yeah, I'm going to say Alfa Romeo probably going to be at the back this season. And I think that draws us nicely to a conclusion. So I think yeah. we'll wrap it up there. So hopefully you enjoyed that. That was our first one. I certainly enjoyed it. I don't know about you, Courtney. Yeah, it was, it was a good start. Yeah, good start. And uh, it's uh, only uphill from here. So if you've stuck with us till the very end and you haven't decided to bin us already or put petition to cancel us, thank you very <laughs> much for listening. This will be a weekly podcast so we'll be aiming to get these out once a week, hopefully on the Wednesdays. Um, but obviously the more experience will be, the better it will be. And uh, we will hope to hear from you in the next one. Enjoy F1 testing and have a good evening. See you next week. See you next week. Network.